hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of State of the YouTube. Mumkey Jones is off tonight because as of the day we're recording this, he is dealing with some significant YouTube trouble and both of his two major accounts have been terminated as of today due to very questionable mass flagging that may or may not have been triggered due to automated keywords involving absolute absolute bullshit none none of these videos uh i as far as i know none of these videos needed to be flagged at all because none of them broke any terms of service well so before we get into the whole monkey thing um let me just announce we have two guests replacing monkey on the show for today we have the magnificent nerd city Hey, it's Nerd City. How's it going? And uh, we also have the fabulous Justin Wang in the call. Hey, what's going on, guys? Howdy. Howdy, Justin. It's good to have you on. Nerd, it's good to have you on. I'm, I think it's the first podcast that I've uh, been on with uh, either of you, actually. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. Well, it's always awkward uh, introducing yourself and saying your own name. It kind of feels like, uh, feels like first day of school. Right, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Nerd, can you uh, stand up and say why you came to school and what you're into? Well, I'm a, I'm a grown man, and I collect uh, <laughs> Star Wars figures and uh, a little bit of Voltron. Mm. And I'm, uh, I'm hoping to... <laughs> Never mind, I was going to make an inappropriate joke. Oh, that's fine. You can make as many inappropriate jokes as you no, want. No, we just learned uh, we just learned today, painfully, that maybe we need to watch our mouths with the edgy humor. Well, okay, so so the way that this channel even started, the the State of the YouTube podcast channel, started with uh, a channel I'd made a while back called um, The Knife Game, and it was where I just uploaded all my old knife game-related videos, and... Uh, I didn't upload for uh, up upload to the channel for over a year, uh, but after about a year or two, they started going back into the back catalog and striking all the channels. And so I woke up one day and I had two emails saying, "Hey, this video's been striked. This video's been striked. Three strikes and you're out." So I had to private every single video on this channel and figure out what to do with it. So the only thing I could do was turn it into this uh, podcast channel. Um, so you know what, from every burned something comes a uh, new YouTube podcast. That's the truth. They honestly, like, there's, like, the striking system in terms of, uh, at least, like, content strikes, like, something needs to be changed about it. Like, I don't think, honestly, there should be content strikes, with the exception yeah. of, like, obvious, like, spam and shit like that. Because there's no way to tell if a video is actually going to be acceptable. Like, I have, like, I'm assuming that all of the monkey videos that got taken down at some point were demonetized and manually reviewed and confirmed by manual review. Absolutely. They absolutely were. Uh, I mean, I mean, one of the, one of his videos that got taken down was just, um, it, it was a music video that, that I made for his, or he made the music video. I made the song for it. And it's just like this innocent thing. And it's all been privatized. So it can't even be spam. If it's private, if no mm -hmm. one can watch it and it gave him a strike. And that was the one, one of the videos that caused this channel to be taken down. It makes zero fucking sense. And it makes me incredibly mad. 
the the whole concept of having three strikes come in a single day kind of breaks the analogy of it even being strike one strike two and strike three because mm-hmm. you can't strike out in a single you know all at once it's three pitches and you get three chances and and the chances being the chances the chances you would assume would be for you to correct the behavior you know for you to not mm-hmm. do that again so if he was get, if it all came in a single day then he had no chance to be like oh okay well then that content is off limits and i'll stop doing that you, you can't self-correct right. if all three strikes happen in a single day so it feels like it feels like that's it's not even it's not even the right analogy to call them strikes at that point yeah what would you call them though here's the big problem here's the big problem with youtube and the strike system and the enforcement system monkey's videos that got strike today that ultimately led to his channel termination many of these videos were months old and you have to realize that as years a YouTuber, old years old yeah some, some of them of were, them were, some of them were over old. two years old and you have to understand that as a youtuber youtube's rules are almost always changing so how can we have a system and call it fair where you upload a video at one time and it stays online for two years and it's perfectly fine. Then all of a sudden YouTube moves the goalposts and YouTubers are somehow expected to know that their videos retroactively yeah. violate the guidelines. They gotta, and that's- they gotta curate their their content at that point just because now all of a sudden, say uh, the person who's in charge of fucking whatever, they have to type in, they type in Elliot Roger into the uh, list of words that cannot be put in a YouTube title. And then, uh, while that was acceptable for the longest time, someone just put it in today and look what pops up. A bunch of Monkey Jones videos, strike, 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 strike uh, through the automated bot. And he fights it and they look back and they say, well, uh, looks like you put Elliot Roger in the title of your video and that's unacceptable. And and fuck that. You're right. Uh, nerd, you're right. Absolutely. Like it's not a strike because you can't you can't correct yourself. You can't re-figure out how to pitch the ball better or how to swing better. Uh, you just have to take them all at once and you wake up one day and your channel's deleted and you have no way of, of fixing it. Right, yeah. To go back to the analogy that Nerd made, it's like if you were a baseball player and during a game you got recorded out for the strikes that you made during batting practice. Absolutely. It's just not currently a fair system. And it's amazing that we still have to talk about this in 2018 because I've been on YouTube since 2010 and coming up in YouTube poops, obviously, we have to deal with so much of this shit with regards to copyright claims and copyright strikes. Um, Thankfully, the copyright system itself has gotten a a lot more lenient in terms of not taking down your channel. And nowadays, they mostly just monetize your content for the rights owner. They'll give the money to to whoever owns it. But still, though, have you guys whoever Nerd says City they or own Wing? It. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so yeah, what what about that? Because there's a lot of people claiming content that uh, isn't actually theirs, and they're going around in mass claiming videos and getting away with it because a lot of smaller channels can't fight it legally in court if they even wanted to. That's another big problem. Um, actually, one of my videos recently, the SpongeBob SquarePants video I uploaded, that's almost at two million views right now. One day, just completely out of the blue, it, get, it got claimed for allegedly having the SpongeBob SquarePants theme, even though that song was not even in the video. 
And that so the implication here is that these rights companies, these music rights companies, they can just go and claim videos and s suck the revenue out of them with no warning, even when these videos don't even contain the content that is that has allegedly been infringed. So, so Wang, uh, you kind of do a lot of videos that contain other content. Uh, I mean, in a fair use uh, way, have you seen that same type of thing hit your channel? So far, the only time... There's two times I had that happen on my channel. They're, and they're both for, like, shitpost videos when I used to just upload those to my channel. One of them was, uh... Fuck, it was like some politician, and the Curb Your Enthusiasm music comes on. <laughs> that one got claimed for that song. Um, oh, damn. Well, yeah, I, I just Curb had, Your Enthusiasm, uh, I had, I've had... I had the, the, whole, the entire Jake Paul video that I just did was claimed because of the three seconds of Curb Your Enthusiasm at the end. Now, I That's knew that, that was after. possible. I, I had seen in, uh, in group DMs people complaining, I think quite, uh, Leon Lush, some other people, they were like, yo... Don't use the curb your enthusiasm meme. You'll get your whole video claim. So I knew that. I Wait, knew it is, might is happen. that the? Is that the? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yo, you're gonna okay. get the podcast claim for singing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Rusty. Silence. I'll cut it out. You know, Wait, it's interesting that, that, that you say that, that, nerd, because the same thing, the same exact thing happened to my Jimmy Kimmel video, and once again, it was used for a very brief period. And I think what it is is you uh, you used to be able to get away with that on YouTube, including. Um, if you include like 10 seconds or less of a copyrighted song, in my experience, you used to be able to get away with that without having it get claimed. But what I think is happening here is uh, recently YouTube's starting to, they've started to push their YouTube music streaming service as a part yeah. of YouTube premium. Absolutely. And that has led them to really tighten up sort of Content the enforcement on music. Well, I, I have an particular. alternate theory because the claims on my videos have been manual detection and you can tell the difference in the claim between one that happened uh, auto detected and one that right, was manually true. detected. So the, the curb your enthusiasm in my case meant that somebody who, somebody who was an employee of the record company who had in their head, a knowledge of all of the uh, rights holders that they represent and made from lit, from watching the video all the way to the end of the video, made a match for something that they knew that they could do a claim for. So what that wait, tells wait. what that tells me is that because there's so much money flowing through the YouTube ecosystem now, in the same way that the four of us are all, you know, we'll talk shop in DMs or we're talking right now about inside baseball for YouTube, is that record companies must the executives must be talking to each other and saying, you know, hey, if you pay an intern $10 an hour to sit and watch all of Leon Lush's channel and just, you know, they'll have a list next to them of all the, the musicians and the bands that we represent. And they just watch the content for 10 hours. You know, they can make, no, no, no. They have, they have a sound sync. They have a sound sync. Oh, system. sure. Sure. But you can see right. manual detection. So like all my claims recently have been manually detected. And I'm hearing that a lot of these UMG ones are manually detected, which is why okay. they're able to claim lyrics and imitations of songs that aren't even the actual songs. God, uh, UMG in particular has just been going completely berserk over the last three days. I've had over 10 of my videos claimed in the past few days. Now, granted, these videos are old YouTube poops that are either demonetized 
previously copyright claimed or blocked worldwide anyway. But still, though, it's like the most copyright claims I've ever received over a sh such a short period. And it seems kind of scary for the future of YouTube where you used to be able to get away with just a little copyrighted music. But now I'm trying to structure my videos where it's completely apart from that entirely because it's just too risky these days. UMG, well, think, well, UMG believes they're that they're operating outside of the DMCA because uh, in the it, Vega uploaded something in a DM. He, he showed some screen caps of this, so credit to him for figuring this out. But he tweeted in, it out. Oh, he did. He tweet it. Okay, so the yeah. in the mega upload case, UMG argued in court that they don't even have to worry about the DMCA because of a private agreement they have with YouTube. So I guess it's probably the terms of a settlement to avoid litigation youtube agreed just send us any video you want taken down or you want claimed or whatever and we'll process it and that's set right. it that, outside they offer of the that. normal process they they offer that do, do you guys have that in your um studio beta because oh, right it's they, in they, my studio beta that i can i can take down uh videos that have uh parts of their video hey uh from four minutes to four minutes and ten seconds someone use this clip of your knife game song that's being uh, distributed through CD Baby. Would you like to take this video down? And I want to say no. I want to monetize it, but I, I have no choice. Really? They give you that option? I thought that wasn't an option for YouTubers where you could actually take action in the removal well, of the Well, anyone can DMCA anything at all. Right, right. right. But but this is this is a new system where they're actually going... They're going through and, and they're finding videos that share your content id which is something i've been it's like trying content to find id junior yeah a for, little bit uh, i mean for youtubers it, it, it's been around I, I tried to apply this program years ago uh because everyone was using you know something and i was like yeah i want to monetize that uh and they they denied me but now they they're offering it and they're they're finding bits of your videos i don't know if you have to go through a uh uh, Justin might know this. If you have to go through like a, a song distribution type of system like uh, CD Baby for it to be put in that content ID. Or see, I don't see it. Up. I just checked out uh, the Jinx YouTube channel to see if uh, we have that for our music. But the mm -hmm. thing is, like, we I think we have some things that are distributed through CD Baby. Um, those ones, like, they're like, do you ever see those YouTube videos that are just like? the album cover and the song yeah, title yeah, and yeah. it's like on Mac for sure thing. it's like, so and so topics or whatever exactly like we have those around so i'm thinking like maybe that part of the system is linked to like like whatever channel has that right uh, you might be right you might be right because uh, i'm not sure if i take because i took one album down from cd baby uh that was distributed through youtube music which i you know is what they're trying to kick off but i'm not sure if it's, if it's beneficial to anyone um, but yeah, there, I guess I have to check on that, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely a flawed system. I think it's interesting that you bring that up where the whole content ID little kind of baby system got released for creators. So like, finally we can see sort of the power that all these, uh, copyright holders had over YouTubers for all these years. And it's interesting that we bring all this up because I have a feeling that it's just multiple things going on because I go back to my SpongeBob video that got taken or it, it got claimed for a piece of a song 
that I did not even use in the video. It must have only been identified through the metadata or the title or the tags. No, man. I so, think what, no, it's it's manual detection. So what I think is happening is actual employees of the companies and probably not, you know, highly paid ones. It might even be outsourced to India. Who the fuck knows? But people are manually detecting these, which means they're sitting there and because it's profitable, because when you claim a video from let's say Elvis the Alien or Leon Lush that gets a million views and blows up, if you claim the revenue on that, you get thousands of dollars. You would pay somebody you would pay somebody a fraction for a fraction of an hour to sit and watch that video. So they're paying people to watch the videos and manually make these claims, which is why we're seeing claims on videos like the SpongeBob one where somebody I think is just guessing. Someone yeah. right. they yeah. don't even okay. have like, to watch it or confirm no, no. that the infringing content is even there. They can just but, look at it and have like martial powers to just monetize whatever they want, which is complete and bullshit. And this, this is a big thing. You're, you're saying if they, they can claim the content and they can claim the entire – so you make a 20-minute video about SpongeBob or whatever and use uh, 20 seconds of their theme song. It, I didn't even claim, use the theme song, though. That's the it, thing. I or, didn't right. use any of the material, but they still but, claimed it anyway. And sure, and, and they do. And in a lot of cases, I guess I mean in the cases where they actually do, um, they they claim all the monetization. 100% of that 20-minute uh, monetization goes to whoever the uh, the, the big lawyer, uh, fucking the big dicker uh, music company is, or whoever's claiming the song. Even though you can say no, actually, ninety percent of this belongs to me. Yeah. Well, ten percent belongs to so and so. Uh, so all the money belongs to them. They could pull thousands of dollars in revenue in from a couple dollars worth of somebody's time to sit and watch the video. So, like, imagine if a YouTuber, what basically, it would be like if PewDiePie, who gets talked about all the time and sampled in a million people's videos rather than using this auto detection tool was paying a fleet of people to sit and watch all of the commentary communities videos and maybe going channel by channel which is i think why a lot of us have been getting hit like bam all at once like 10 claims six claims four claims right is yeah, uh, like one after the other yeah because no, number one that makes the channel afraid to fight them all at once because if three of them go through at once those are three strikes and the channel's dead and we don't have lawyers i mean a lot right. of us don't well it's happening with the, the youtube rewind videos like a lot of them like they're being claimed for like a drake song i think by umg and a lot of these i guess it was like in the original youtube rewind but a lot of these videos i think it happened to i hate everything got his video claimed for the drake song which does not appear for even a single second in the uh, in so the that's video. what that's what nerd was saying. Like they're just or wait or nerd or Imp, like it, they're just going through and they're claiming everything before because they're not watching it all. They're just claiming yeah. it you and they're basically and they're tossing out a huge guesses. net and pulling in and then everyone who can fight it is going to be less than the amount of people that they uh, flagged. And if you fight it, you're risking getting your whole channel fucking taken down. Yeah, you got to go to yeah, court now, true. buddy. It's just it's just the system of bullying powerless youtubers and ignorant youtubers who don't really know how it works that just relies on fear and complacency to make money now Scary. i just want to say that um the claim i i appealed the claim on the spongebob video and it got released in less than 24 hours because obviously 
it's just completely fraudulent. And I hate I hate everything also appealed his claim and that got dropped. But you have to realize how many YouTubers this thing must be affecting where the copyright system, if you if you're not savvy with it, it it appears really scary. There's a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo in there like, oh, if you if they if they reject your appeal, you're going to have to take this to court. Like a lot of people don't want to deal with that. So they just figure, oh, might as well just leave it, uh, leave it claimed to uh, so that I don't have to do anything sure. about this. You got to be ready to fight or you have to have a lawyer and which costs a lot of money in which people are a little bit, you know, uh, apprehensive to uh, pay a fucking lawyer to look over their YouTube claims because that's going to cost them a lot of money and they can go, ah, this guy doesn't have a case. I think that You're YouTubers fine. should fight every claim because what's happening yeah. is since most of us are not, it's easy money. And they haven't even had to UMG, I don't think, has even had a test case where they sue an individual YouTuber and they're raking in tons and tons of cash from doing this. It's a big scam. Right, that's the thing. There's no legal precedent. Because um after Ethan Klein won the the fair use lawsuit, um, you hardly hear anything about cases like that anymore where just a private youtuber or celebrity sues a youtuber for defamatory content in like a commentary video because that legal precedent has been set already there has been no such case so far however with this uh content id stuff and uh claiming music in a youtuber's video where that may or may not be fair use it will depend on the legal interpretation of whatever judge is presiding over that case, but it's a huge hassle. A lawsuit, a major lawsuit against a big record company is not something that the average person can really sustain. If this is prevalent enough, it's a good situation for a class action lawsuit. Yeah, well, the only... I, we've thought about that, and... There's something about lawsuits that really captures the imagination of the American public. I think it's some kind of fear, this deep-seated fear that everybody has that they might get sued. So cases that involve internet celebrities get a ton of attention. Like Maddox and Dick Masterson are two people who not everybody had heard of before that lawsuit. Like it made them both more famous because it's so interesting when someone's getting sued. And also the crowd tends to go with the defendant. They don't usually go with the plaintiff. So my problem with a class action would be YouTubers doing a class action suit against UMG would not benefit from that David versus Goliath thing because they would be seen, they would seem potentially to the public like these, you know, whiny, entitled, I want my money kind of, you know, they how would did, be the plaintiff. How did it work with Napster? How did it work with Napster? Yeah, Metallica versus Napster. So I, mean, I, did, I would did rather Napster win that one. If if we're gonna get if there's gonna be a lawsuit, I would rather it be UMG suing a YouTuber who has rejected their DMCA claim, because then the community gets behind them as like, hey, look, this is the record company trying to take my entire livelihood, and you have a situation like like H3 where all of Reddit, all of the internet was like, yo, fuck that guy and his lawsuit. This is fair use, you know. I would rather it be that than class action lawsuit. But it is something that's tempting for a class action lawsuit because so much money is being taken unrightfully. You know, the UMG doesn't care about fair use, and they've said so already in court. But this is always the 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 big case is is like 
once UMG falls under and once people discredit them and whoever wins, someone else is just going to walk right in and take their spot as the uh, the big fucking multi-million dollar company that's just going to be fucking scaring the shit out of these small content creators. I don't think that much is going to change until the actual laws change and the copyright laws in America and the rest of the world, for that matter, are completely fucked. Yeah, and title, they titles, have completely uh... failed to adapt to the internet at all and just completely antiquated. They're meant for back when everyone watched television. Article 13 is going to flip a lot of this on its head as well because DMCA was something that uh, was is, is an American law and then I believe it's enforced by treaty. And um, there are some countries that are not beholden to the DMCA, but they'll respect it because they're doing business with with American right. partners and they want well, to... Because all these, uh, most of these social I mean, media Kim. sites com. are based, based out of the United States. So they have to respect the law, mm-hmm. or or they're at least doing business with them. So it gives uh, it gives what is that called venue to sue them in the United States. So they'll they'll defer to it. But if Article Thirteen goes through, I I don't know how that's going to shake everything up because there's no fair use under Article Thirteen. Well, what's going to happen with Article Thirteen? It's th- is that it's finally it's finally going to rile up public opinion for copyright reform. Because for so long, all these copyright things, it, it hasn't been a very salient issue. Usually in terms of uh, the public agenda and what people actually care about in affecting social change, copyright law is not really that high up there. Now, it's always been something I've cared about ever since I made YouTube poops. I've had to deal with this unfair stuff for basically my entire YouTube career. But the average person either in America or in the rest of the world doesn't really care or really understand the problems with the copyright system all that much. But this Article 13 thing is actually going to start affecting people's lives and affecting their well-being, and they're going to get upset about it. I wonder. I mean, we couldn't stop uh, We couldn't stop net neutrality from being unraveled, despite the public they, being... They tricked us. What do you I mean, mean uh, like they, they tried to, they, you know, we we had a, they made a campaign, we fought against it, and they just rewarded it. Yeah, they want they managed to frame it as this liberal versus conservative thing that it really fucking wasn't. Oh, uh, were you saying nerd? Well, I don't know. I, I'm surprised because Emp is usually usually takes a more pessimistic view on the future than I do, and it sounds like Emp. It sounds like you're optimistic that that the laws could change based off of public disgust at the effects of article 13. But man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really losing faith in the ability for public opinion in a democracy to override the donations of corporate interests. Well, uh, I don't know. I just think this is, this is a law that's really, really poor, but the thing is not enough people actually, realize it but once it starts actually affecting people's lives it would have to affect like a senator's life (laughs) like a senator but no no daughter would have to be a youtuber then i i think it's it's gonna die because it's gonna be it's gonna be someone like uh elon musk whose life is affected or or like a celebrity which is already happening and you see people we follow celebrities and you see celebrities getting kicked off of blah 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 or 
what they're saying, uh, the, the, maybe the corporation or whatever is controlling the uh, direction of the platform, does it meet up with the people who are most influential? And once they get kicked off, they're going to follow them eventually. I guess we're what, not what be... also could happen is that free free speech concerns in various countries could end up uh, overruling the copyright law. You know, if 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 let's say the Supreme Court determines now we're all talking like lawyers here and me right now, but if the Supreme Court would determine that the Constitution is violated by an overreaching uh, copyright law, then they could nullify it. You know, there are a lot of laws on the books that that get disregarded in enforcement because they encroach on basic liberties. So that's, I guess that's one way, you know, like if it, if it started to get enforced, there was a test case and you found that it was getting in the way of, of free speech laws and in, in whatever country that was happening. But that's a robot. That's a robot without a human jury. You, you know what I'm saying? The thing with copyright laws and public opinion is that everyone Everyone would want to get every piece of media for free if they could, except for wealthy artists. It sort of becomes like a peasantry versus the bourgeoisie people case in that aspect where in the in their present form, copyright law only really serves to protect the extremely wealthy artists and record companies who no, own the copyrights. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm saying this as someone who owns a copyright that was that was being massively, massively overused and and uh, manipulated and stolen by people who had a lot of money. These are these are TV channels. These are gigantic social media websites that were using my copyright. And maybe this was a little bit uh, uh faggy or uh, petty. I guess petty is the word I mean to say. To, to even claim these, but people are using my copyright and they're making money off it and they're fine with it. They're fine sharing, taking someone, some video that doesn't belong to them and sharing it and getting all the fucking people coming in to join and like their Facebook page. And this happens with everyone who makes any sort of, any viral content at all. Well, that's like that fucking world star stealing nerds fucking meme. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what it's like. They steal that. So that's a huge company stealing someone uh, much smaller than them, than their their net worth and their reach, stealing their meme and, and profiting off of it and saying, fuck you, we don't have to even talk to you. And also... Uh, will claim it. That was the justif. That's some of the justification or, or the case being made for Article 13 being a good thing is that rights holders are complaining that the DMCA is a game of whack-a-mole where it's like you right. get all the benefit of stealing the thing for as long as it takes for the rights holder to locate it and then send a, send the DMCA notice and then you have something like 48 hours to remove it and by then it's like a days old piece of media has Too already old. served its purpose for the most part. So it's frustrating to rights holders that they have to do that whack-a-mole. It's like it, as soon as they get this one thing down, it pops up here. And WorldStar hides behind the DMCA. Like they, I'm sure they have a DMCA notice on their site, which they ignore if, if the rights holder is not intimidating. And I was and not, the money it costs you know, to fight them in court. 
Yeah. Uh, Rusty, with your situation, I know it sucked for you. No, I mean, I, I know, I'm fine. Yeah, but, I know but it was unfair. This but, third one, I mean, that's interesting. That's new. Like, I mean, if, if even if you wanted to fight him in court, you would have to, you'd have to pay for a lawyer. You would have to. They yeah, have it's, pro- it's prohibitively expensive money. for a lot of the smaller guys. I just wanted to say that my whole beef with the copyright system, and this is me coming from a perspective of making YouTube poops, which are basically bootleg illegal videos, according to some people, that um, that are just completely completely renegade and wild west type stuff that should not exist. I'm coming from a perspective where the current enforcement of copyright over online media is completely antithetical to the purpose of the internet and the information age where there's an increasing push and kind of a thing about human nature where everyone sort of believes fundamentally that information should be free. Now, of course, there's the, there's the debate over what's information and what's actual artistic property. But Everyone I'm assumes make- every all art, or, or artistic property is information now because everything's a meme. Nothing is a, a song or nothing's a piece of artwork that you drew. It's all a meme. It's all just a, an image graphic that should be shared for free. What we've what we've seen happen is technology will route around the overreaching copyright laws. So in Napster versus uh, Napster versus Metallica and Mega Upload versus the United States government or whatever, you have nice. innovation that made it that made it easier to share things on a massive scale and it really just became like a uh, a jurisdiction issue. So like if if this was illegal to do in the United States, then they move it over and they host it in the Ukraine or they they host it in Russia where they don't give a shit about the DMCA. Well, and- if you go into mega uploads, the guy, you know, he was he never even by his claim, never even stepped foot in America. Uh, yeah, and mega's arrested. and mega's innovation, the newest version of mega. So there was mega upload Mm-hmm. which is the current case and then that got reborn by kim.com into mega.nz and they the technology is routing around the damage of copyright law by encrypting uh it, it encrypts right. it locally it's all and then decrypts it yeah so like they they have no i guess what's called red flag knowledge uh, that the files that they're hosting are they can't even see what they are is would be their argument in court so uh, right, they 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 are not even possibly aware of whatever illegal doings they're being uh, framed for, whatever. Yeah, and and decentralized file sharing has proven almost impossible to stop. You know that's why they can't shut down torrent, BitTorrent. You know being the main the main. Uh, I feel like uh, Wang, you probably have some some sort of take on this. I mean, you're studying some sorts of like all these like. Uh, m- these weird, weird microcosms of copyright. Um, th- like my main take is like, uh, when it comes to Article Thirteen, if if the technology like were able to actually support, because like, all right, Article Thirteen, it technically it does allow for fair use, mm. but the technology is not there to distinguish that from distinguish fair use from just outright stealing shit. It's still abusable. 
manipulatable. Well, so the, the default is abuse with Article 13. True. Because it just it detects the... Uh, at least that's the way it would have to be implemented. Sites would need to implement something that detects the, the material, then pulls it down, and then after that fact, you can do something to be like, oh, well, this is fair use. So it's kind yeah. of like it's kind of like everything is has a DMC takedown by default. Yeah, we'll 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 put it back up once we realize that our uh, that we were incorrect with our stronghold system. And I actually think this is something that will wind up affecting these kinds of politicians and shit because all these people they all have their fucking Twitter accounts and shit where they'll like post dopey pictures whatever the fuck to try and be relatable. That kind of shit is going to be uh, subject to that. I never thought so about that. You're saying like politicians, like they're gonna post, like they're gonna post memes, like uh, uh, Hillary Clinton say, just you know, uh, uh, apolitical here, but Hillary Clinton posts a, a fucking Pepe meme or something that doesn't belong to her. That's not her image. Yeah. She doesn't own that, and so she could be taken down for copyright claim on that, or somebody, anybody could. Well, if that's in the system, it would be done automatically. Right, right, automatically. That's my main gripe with just copyright enforcement, as it's currently stated in the law, applied to the internet as just a concept. How can you claim to own something that's shared by everyone? Like, for example, if... Okay, I I can fight that one. Let's say if McDonald's, just McDonald's became a meme tomorrow, and people just started sharing a picture of... Ronald McDonald and the McDonald's logo doing just wacky shit, applying random filters or whatever. How can what? you say that it's fair for McDonald's to somehow look at all of that and claim royalties for what you, trademark okay, infringement? What the fuck are you talking about? Hold hold on. You said that somebody is sharing Ronald McDonald. Other people are sharing Ronald McDonald, and you're saying, why why should that be trademarked? Because that's their fucking intellectual property, right? They drew that, and someone else can't just share that and use it however they please. Well, it depends on the context. Okay, I mean, so half of these fucking art pieces that, like, they try to act like they're so fucking deep and criticizing society. Like, the way you achieve that, basically, is you just slap a fucking McDonald's logo on it, and it's a criticism of society. Like, uh, all, all, oh, that, all that shitty right. fucking art you're- would be taken down immediately, which actually, that might not be a bad thing. No, okay, no, no, you're right, you're right. So, so, so what you're saying, like, uh, so Ronald McDonald, take Ronald McDonald. Obviously, someone can't sell the image of Ronald McDonald and say, this is also mine. And then McDonald's goes, that's mine. You go, no, it's mine too. Uh, but if Banksy uh, slapped a, a dollar sign spray painted over his face, you know, two lines through the S and said, yeah, this is uh, uh, my proof of American capitalism. Uh, this is now my my personal and my own intellectual property. Can McDonald's fight it, even though it's a majority of McDonald's's and ten percent Banksy's or whatever? Like, did you change it enough? So, I mean, I guess that's what the courts are trying to do: is like, did you change the source material enough, and how much can you do that? But in the sense of a meme, uh, think think about the 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 rage faces, the the guy with like the fucking big head and you know all, all the fucking old fucking rage face memes some guy drew all of those he drew them all and then they're just being spread across the internet they're being slapped on t-shirts without this dude he drew them and someone's making money off it and it is not him 
And then some of them are tracings too. Like one of them is like a tracing Absolutely. of Yao Ming's face. Like yeah, oh, yeah, or copyright. Uh, sure, or like uh, or, or the one of uh, of uh, Jackie Chan or Freddie uh, Mercury. Well, what's yeah. interesting is we might start to see a a technological enforcement of the line between what's transformative and what's not, and it might be limited by what the filters are able to pick up. So if you have now the argument that we make for fair use frequently is that this is transformative work. And the, the transformative can mean we've changed it enough, like visually, or we've added we've added uh, commentary, or we've added value, artistic value to the work. What uh, percentage is that? I, I mean, I think that's all. So with fashion, I mean, okay, I'm changing the subject, but like, I think with fashion, it's something like. 30% if it's 30% different then you can do it okay but uh yeah i wonder what okay but who who creates those standards though like no i mean the courts do and, and the courts go back uh n- n- really nerd, scientifically 30% ab- absolutely Whatever. and i'll i'll follow follow nerd's point up with uh when it comes to music yeah so what we argue when we're or like let's say h3 when he takes uh, so, uh some youtuber's video and he multiplies their face four times and zooms in on their lips and adds a sound effect and basically remixes it. That's a transformative work. So what we might start to see is a sort of like an enforced standard for transformative work where you have to beat the filter to not have what you're uploading claimed by the original um, artist. So maybe we'll start to learn like what that means in in a technical sense more than I what guess. that means to a judge. So then the YouTube algorithm decides, or the content ID <laughs> algorithm decides yeah, and that what sucks. is and what isn't fair use. Right, yeah. over, well, a, over where, a human. Where that gets yeah. complicated, though, because ultimately, with like specifically with Article 13, they're basically putting the responsibility of preventing this kind of content to be uploaded on the websites. So then, like say, like people find ways to get around these filters... All the effect that really has is then the companies can go around and say, oh, well, this website isn't doing its job. And then, like, need them to make the filters more strict. Yeah, the so the, some of the implementation of the DMCA, some of the test cases, uh, I read them, and I, I read parts of them. And uh, a couple of things that came out from the test cases involving DMCA, one of them was this term red flag knowledge. Now, a red, red flag knowledge is not in the, uh, the DMCA anywhere at all, but it became part of um, the legal precedent that, okay, is it, does the, uh, the host that is hoping for benefits from safe harbor, is, do they have any knowledge, red flag knowledge, like, or is it obvious... Is it re- obvious to the average person that this is copyright infringement, or have right. they given, have they gotten, um, have they gotten a notice from the copyright holder? At that point, then they're they are uh, aware that they're hosting copyrighted content. Okay, put that in perspective. Uh, if if you can think of an example, because that's that's really interesting. Well, so then what you're based on that definition the line of fair use would be drawn by what the average person thinks would know yeah the, so like the if, normie, it, normie if someone thought. at youtube if someone well, who works at youtube sees that on this person has uploaded changes. like the super bowl then the average person 
working at YouTube, it's fair to say they would know that this person, you know, Johnny342, who's uploaded a, a five and a half hour broadcast with NBC watermarked in the side, they haven't produced that themselves. Right. And this is copyright infringement. Okay, but yeah, yeah, wait, wait. So, uh, uh, shit, maybe I missed it. Emperor Lim, you're saying like, how many people does it take to decide? Well, my question is who gets to decide what does and what doesn't constitute fair use? Like, where do you draw the line? It's it's easy to say like when something's completely. It's easy to say when something's completely obvious, but cultural norms and cultural standards are always changing. So, is it really fair to just enforce all of these copyright rules as strictly as they are when most people don't even follow them anyway? Oh, oh, the other t- here's the term I was looking for. Does it create an unreasonable burden? So YouTube's argument would be that policing, and they're making this argument already in advance, is that policing all of the uploads that come in are an unreasonable burden for them as a service provider, that they couldn't possibly do that. Now, lately, undermining that argument is the fact that YouTube is using is is leaning so heavily into machine learning and artificial intelligence. Not even lately, and like that the past stuff. Two years. Yeah, well, that stuff is able to tell what stuff is as it's uploaded before it's even finished being uploaded. So correct. Yeah, I mean that that that, that kind of sucks for the unreasonable burden thing. But that's just YouTube, and if like if we're talking Article Thirteen specifically, every website would be beholden to that, and YouTube is is way 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 ahead of like any other website technology wise you so have all i suppose what would start would to be... have to happen is there would be shared databases between you know like twitter and tumblr and any app that i guess wants to come up into well which the is which is certainly user created content already. game and they, they would have to everything that you upload i guess gets tested against that database to see if it's recognized as an existing thing well YouTube's current stance on Article 13, actually, is that with even with their current content ID system, and this is a system that has been in place and machine learning for the last 10 years, even with that current system, YouTube's current stance on Article 13 is that it's not even going to be enough, and apparently they're just going to have to block out the EU entirely yeah. from most YouTube content. Fuck them. You know who we should have. You I know who we should have had on this podcast is uh, Leonard French, the copyright attorney. He would be yeah. able to say all this stuff. Like we're fumbling around for the right phrases True. and the right cases, and we don't know any of that shit. But he would actually be more familiar with that. What do you guys well, think hey, about? Maybe, maybe should we, we pivot we back can, to talking about Mumkey? What What do you think the title of this um, this podcast is is going to be? Is it going to be Mumkey Jones is banned, or, or just uh, bitching about YouTube Article Thirteen uh, and why it sucks? Episode Five. The only thing I'm worried about is like, are we talking too? Are we too inside baseball to YouTube where we would bore people who don't feel like they have a vested interest in no, it? No, I think it's very. Uh, every YouTuber has to deal with this stuff, but a lot of them don't. They they either don't know all yeah, the but, facts or they can't a, articulate it well enough. It's a jackass argument if we're all just kind of speculating here. Um. Uh, well, okay. So something that we sure if we if we're gonna go back to monkey. Um. Uh. Wayne, you said that you you have not. You've had a, a few um, copyright claims against your channel, and only two. Uh, one of them oh. was uh, the Kirby Enthusiasm. One of them was Joe Rogan. Joe wow. Joe Rogan's system yeah. did it. He has an MCN. See, 
So he's he's all about sharing everything. I mean, at least what I've seen him say on his, it maybe not his company or his fucking whatever, but he's like, oh, I love when people share my shit because it's better. It it's what we were talking about earlier. You know, mm. the more so, your shits shared across the system, the right. Whatever. Well, Donna, Donna, okay, this is. Yeah, I'm gonna look right now. See which it was. The, it was. Remember when Tom DeLonge was on Rogan, like talking all kinds of crazy alien shit. Oh yeah, that that had to be some Tom DeLonge shit then. Because no, no, I feel no, like a, he did a massive shit. All right, it's well, uh, Rogan's MCN. Rusty, going yeah. t- talking about the Joe Rogan thing. This goes back to what I was saying earlier about how in most cases the current copyright system only really serves to benefit people. At the top of the entertainment field, yeah, me. Not even the artists. In oh. most, in most uh, professional senses, the artists only get a small percent of the actual revenue that's actually generated by their show or program or music. Well, well and not a lot of that money goes to the freaking record executives. No, but but you're talking. You're we're talking about Joe Rogan. We're not talking about uh, an artist that's on a okay, label. Well, even Joe, Joe Rogan Rogan's owns. Like, it's all independently so done. You just said that. Joe Rogan would most likely believe that his information should be freely spread. Yeah. But, and, and yet it's copyright claimed anyway. Now, why is that? Well, I think in pretty much all of these cases, there's there's always someone behind the scenes pulling the strings, um, saying, all right, I'm going to provide you with this platform and this distribution system, but I, we reserve the right to just, monetize all of your stuff even if you don't agree with it and what would their religion be i don't know <laughs> it doesn't really matter um uh wang was it actually joe rogan's thing that did that it was um all right the thing that it was like like i said it was like only like different shit post videos that i made and this one was uh you don't know what Tom DeLonge knows. And it was just like basically like a supercut of him uh, babbling, repeating himself, going, you don't know what I know. Like all that shit. And it yeah. got claimed by Bent Pixels, which I believe is Rogan. I think I looked it up at the time and it was Bent- Rogan's MCN. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, that yeah, so that's like a secret. And they rejected my appeal. I mean, I appealed it. They rejected it. And I have a thing where I can appeal rejected disputes. But, you yeah. know, if I do that, I might get a strike. And it's not really worth it for a video that like peaked at like ten thousand views. See, yeah. see, that's what that's what I'm trying to explain, Rusty. Behind each artist, even though they might completely disagree with how the copyright system is run using their intellectual property, there's always usually some big, some big wig behind this behind the scenes pulling the strings and sucking up all that revenue. And they're going to want that revenue, even the artist disagrees with it. And oh, I'm not denying that by any means. No, absolutely. It, it it's it's the ease of their their money. That that's what allows them to do it is the size of their uh, corporation or whatever they are. I'm just saying that it falls into my it falls into my greater point about how the copyright system is really top heavy in terms of who it actually benefits. The whole arguments for these copyright laws are oh, it helps out the artists. It and the, the original point of the copyright system in America, where it used to be actually you only owned the copyright for 20 years, now it's 75 years after the death of the artist, which is completely ridiculous. The original intent of the copyright law was actually to inspire artists and content creators to innovate and keep making content because the copyright would not last forever. 
But sometime around um, the mid-20th century, Disney sent a bunch of lobbyists to Congress, and every time the um, the copyright for Mickey Mouse was about to expire, they'd extend the copyright longer. It's all a big money thing, and that's what I'm saying. And they, they claim it's about helping the artists, but if you actually look at who benefits from most of these copyright things, that simply isn't the case. Yeah, no, okay, okay. So, so it used to it used to be about benefiting the artist because it definitely does at some point, but they're using this as a means to appeal to sympathy and, and they're trying to appeal to, to the creator. Hey creator, aren't you tired of, uh, Hey nerd city. Aren't you tired of, uh, a big companies like fucking world star stealing your memes? Article 13 will protect you. And, and they want people to vote on that and say, yeah, but if you look at the actual percentage of how many times a situation like that happens versus how many times the absolute evil that it and, and neg- negative uh, shit that it's going to cause will happen, it's going to be uh, a much higher percent in the negative. Right, Rusty, and that's what I've been trying to say this whole time, where the copyright system, it's not it doesn't actually help out as many artists as it harms it harms i would argue that it harms way more would-be artists from fulfilling their full creative potential than it helps artists actually protecting their intellectual property you know what most of the actual protection and enforcement is done for the benefit of big concentrated I don't think record that this, companies. I don't think these stats are are even solid to even say one way or the other. But it does seem it it it's clearly it, it's it's clearly scandalous uh, the way they're trying to push it. Exactly, like it's one of those things where in a vacuum it's a good idea, but it's been corrupted so far to the point where it's almost a parody of what of the principles that the original laws once stood for. Like, yeah, like going my back dick. To, good in a going, vacuum. Going back to Disney, they built their animation empire based off of public domain stories like Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland, all those fairy tale type stories from the 1800s. And then they went ahead and pushed for just completely absurd copyright ownership where it's now 75 years I could be wrong, after but I'm pretty the sure they bought the rights. of the artists. I'm pretty sure they well, bought the rights to a lot of these. And a lot of these are but, old old stories. Okay, well, Sorry, the thing ahead, is, Wayne. though, like, copyright was kind of made so that these rights would eventually expire and go to the public domain. Right. So they basically put extensions on, like, what on the laws that had existed already to keep on uh, renewing these copyrights. To, to claim money for the uh, for the people that, wh- what do they call it? The, the person that, like, takes the money after the originator dies. Um, right. And it's very interesting who actually owns the copyrights in these cases because most Americans, most the average people would say, oh, yeah, well, the artist would own their own copyright, but that's not actually true. These copyrights get bought out by bigger and bigger companies until eventually there's just these massive concentrations of copyright ownership owned by just an, a few companies and an oligarchy of power. And all the money, all the revenue that they strip from would-be artists gets funneled to them. Here's a, here's a perfect example of uh, copyright corrupting the original intent of the art and the artist. One of the claims on my videos is for 
a file called Shock Horror A, and it's from a record called The Editor's Companion. And it was a physical record that was released with a bunch of stock sounds on it that were meant to be used by editors. So it's got like, dun, dun, dun. That's the sound that you would recognize from... um, The, yeah, like from SpongeBob. And the dramatic, no, dramatic, yeah, used, dramatic hamster on TV for 40, 50 years to the point where it became now if you use it, it doesn't have the intended effect. So it, it becomes a parody of its original intent, sure. But the intent of that sound um, was to be used by editors and not to like, they weren't supposed to hit up the, the guy who composed that and say like, Hey, can I use this in, uh, you know, in my project? It was meant for people to use. It was, it was basically like a, um, from what I can understand of that record, that was meant as like a Creative Commons kind of thing. But because it was right. published by, you know, let's say Columbia House or whatever, and then uh-huh. it's currently administered by them, and they're using the copy, the copyright ID system, and see that YouTube is this big, uh, YouTube is this big gold mine for. Um, for grabbing revenue that they're ignoring the original intent of that file which is like hey use this in media when something sounds shocking and they're trying to claim yeah. all of the revenue from that media because i used two seconds what about what about the wilhelm scream yeah is that well, is that owned by somebody no so well, hold i'm on. sure Here, it is here's my theory and and i want to I, I want to ask you uh, uh all of you um and and uh, Wang, you might know, like, but but I think that there's a because the Wilhelm scream is from 1950s, and I think there's a union of sound people who make sound effects and foley artists who create these sounds because you hear the same sounds, the same sounds of the cat going right. or the door yeah. creeping, cr- uh, creaking closed, or the child laughing, or whatever, and or the the, the other scream, the urog. I always get that one confused with the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, always yeah. the Urog is the better one, but the uh, well, but but somebody owns these sounds, and and I'm I'm saying why, why do they why do all these movies going forward keep using these old cheesy sound effects that are from 1950? Is it because they want to and they really respect that one point in 1950 whenever fucking everyone recorded them, or is there some sort of union that perhaps they have to use these because that's a part of the fucking deal that they oh, have. Rusty, movies. Rusty, that's the thing though. That's the thing I was saying earlier, where the Wilhelm scream is quite literally a meme <gasps> within the filmmaking community. Well, it's just a, it's an iconic sequence no, that no, has been no, mimed by movies over and over again sure. because it's a fun little inside joke. No, it used to be fun, but it ruins movies. And the Euro- but but that doesn't even explain all the other sound effects. Sure, maybe the Wilhelm scream is now it's like a meme in the movies, but what about all the other fucking cheesy bad sound effects that in the middle of a great movie they have to use the child laughing <laughs> or the cat going and it's the same shit you've been hearing, the same shit that was recorded 60 years earlier. You can't record a better version of that? Someone's forcing that is what Rusty. my conspiracy is. Rusty, all of this goes into my theory about how Poop is any pee. media, any media that becomes very popular at any point in our culture is destined to become u- ubiquitous. 
Yeah, but you're you, talking about like you're talking about fucking 50, 60 years ago, up until today. There's this thing that happens in a film too, though, where like things like that, they'll cling on to it and be like, "Oh, we're paying homage to this, this, and that." I feel like those sound effects are that kind of a thing. But right. at what point? But like, all right, so so sure, like uh, um, Star Wars did it in the seventies. But then uh, Lord of the Rings does it in the uh, 2000s. And you got to go at a certain point. You got to go, fucking Christ, dude. Nobody gives a fuck that the elf fell off the goddamn castle and did, or whatever. That's that's the thing, though. References, parodies, homages, sampling. All of these things are done to show respect because whatever artist is composing you're right, you're right, you're right, 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 okay. You're right, but listen, why wouldn't someone record a, a better one, and why wouldn't the better one be used? Well, it's because the original one simply has more cultural significance. And since it's so widespread, and since it's so frequently used, it inspires other people. That's the, that's the first time they hear about it. So the first and, one was the best one forever going forward? Well, I, I don't think it's Forever and ever? I don't think it's a matter about being the best quality i think it just has to do with the fact that people recognize it and people love it for that reason some things are just popular in spite of just not being that good but what i guess what i'm trying to get out here is that when you get enough people doing and saying something it kind of becomes adopted into the culture it and at that a point trope. i think it's, it's like sort of ridiculous to trope. try to try to have copyright on that an example a huge example of this is the happy birthday song up until very recently some company or whatever some big yeah, music yeah, ha- conglomerate you, you actually owned the rights birthday. for happy birthday a did song get, did they get taken off they, happy birthday no one... a song that has been sung at every birthday party in america for 50 years some company owns that and they they, they they're threatening to Okay, demand okay. royalties for All anyone right. giving a public performance Emperor of happy Lemon, birthday. I can hear the I can hear the anger in your voice. Hold the fuck on. You're talking about someone in in here and here's where your uh misguided anger comes from and where it should be going. The person that made the happy birthday song is the person that wrote a song. That motherfucker is dead. He's been dead for fucking probably about 50 to 80 years he wrote happy birthday to you but the reason why you can't put happy birthday in a in a movie is because somebody owns the rights to happy birthday and you can't say just because this is a popular thing and just because everyone heard the song and started singing at their birthday parties all of a sudden it's fucking free game no that still belongs to someone someone wrote that song someone recorded that song and and now just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean that it's free game because then anyone can make money off of the intellectual property of someone just because it was popular. Well, at that and point, so, copyright starts to erode culture because there would uh, be a little bit, a little bit. But but na- name another song. Just like uh, so. Well, sorry, sorry. Finish your point because that, that was a good point. If um you know there wouldn't be like. <sighs> Going back to like storytelling and mythology, a lot of that is like verbal stories that are verbally passed down from one person to another, from families to another, from like tribe to another. And if the tribe that invented, I don't know, the like the predecessor to the to Little Red Riding Hood, if 
if another Different. group in another changing part of the it. world You're had to like the story. Send, Are you not? <laughs> send some seashells to them to tell their story it's like that sucks it goes against like the way information travels among humans Think okay, about some stuff it, that became like No, 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 but no, no. Nerd say you're saying but you're you're saying you're saying stories. This mm -hmm. is something that goes like this. Happy birthday to you. You're kind of Happy reinventing that by singing and it again. But it's not reinventing it. It's the exact same tune. It's the exact same words. And maybe you 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 type something like you sing something like uh uh you smell like a monkey and you live in a zoo. That doesn't mean it's your own fucking song. That you threw that on the end. But, like, okay. the overreach of these kinds of copyright laws, though, like, do you think you should have not been allowed to just even to do what you just did and sing it to us right. to is deliver it, context? Is uh, every no, person, no, no, no. You're is talking every about, person in America violating no, copyright law by singing happy birthday hold at the fuck a kid's on, birthday Emperor party? Lemon. You're talking about, Wayne, you're talking about performance rights licensing. You're talking about... Us performing that right now for this, should we have to pay out to them? Absolutely not. And I agree. And so the cover is one thing, but also the context. But there has to be a line somewhere in between. Because Emperor Lemon, you're right. Uh, should we have to... I don't know. I don't know. What do we do? Uh, just because we sang happy birthday to you, do we have to pay off to... Uh, first off, the person's dead. And uh, someone else bought the rights from it. Well, now it's owned by a media conglomerate. Well, it doesn't that's even go why, to a person anymore. That's why they imposed uh, time limits on how long these uh, rights exist. What right. are originally they? the and ideal copyright laws? Actually, in it, it encouraged innovation and reuse of stuff that goes into the public domain. But because of all these big companies, I, I, I the public domain has basically been frozen. No, you're right. As you're just right, you're 1928 right, right. and below, Sorry. and it's been like that for the last. I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years, no, whenever no. they changed the copyright laws. Emperor Lemon, you're right, because, but also this conversation started, it, it went from something that I did not agree with the uh, statute of limitations or whatever into the happy birthday song, and so I got, like, fucking riled up. Um, but, yeah, so how long should it be? Should it be after the person dies? You cannot sell your estate. The estate cannot take over a song or a product. But that's what uh, ends up happening as the copyright laws are currently written. Yeah, I think I, originally I don't think that should. Yeah, I think originally it was something like thirty-five years or something like that. And so, right. if you don't claim it after thirty-five years, it's up. It's public domain, right? Well, originally, I think it was thirty-five years, no matter what. Then, okay. like, it was basically it was specifically Disney, I think, that did like work to uh, extend that and like try to like get. Oh yeah, that. because they they came out with fucking uh the Lion King and uh. A wee mo up, a wee mo up. No, no way. In the jungle, and they just stole it from a bunch of fucking. God, we're uh, gonna get so many copyrights. Black Islanders. Video. <laughs> yeah, well, well, hey, well, and they who? and they stole the plot from a fucking anime. Absolutely, they did. But you but know what? It's been Rusty, thirty-five years. Rusty, so fuck it. Rusty, that's what I'm saying. These cultural elements, these archetypes, these songs, they just get reused. They get reused as an element of culture. And the problem, my problem with your argument about how the statute of limitations must Restate be enforced. You asked, you asked earlier about, oh, how do you draw that line? That's up to you to say how, how they draw that line or how many years it should be as the one arguing for enforcing the statute of limitations. At what point does it become not fair? Should, okay, hold on, should, hold on. Okay, should Lemon, the, how long should I be alive that I create a song? I create a song, say I make it right now. I'm uh, I'm 28 years old, and so what? In 30 years, when I'm 58, 
in, in someone in some fucking company, some weird new media source and some weird new media uh, creator just takes the thing and recreates it. It makes a million dollars off it. I'm just supposed to go, well, there's nothing I can fucking oh, we're do. Rusty, the expectation I it, is... But I don't own it anymore. The government, who owns it at that point? I should own it. It's still mine. No, everyone owns it? it, and everyone can be able to everyone? earn revenue from it. Yes. Why? Hey, break uh, the public domain. Sorry. Breaking news. Keem just tweeted, I'll see what I can do at Monkey Jones at his new handle, Vincent Hates God. DMs Sounds open. promising. Nice. Excellent. It, he will, right. though. He will, though, because he's kind of been invested yeah. in this for a while. Yeah. He. I mean, he got Medigar's channel back. Oh, did he? Oh, good. shit. Yeah. Good. But he loves Med- he loves Medicare. I hope he loves Monkey as well. 